Psalms 46, and if you don't love it, still turn. Because I'm going to talk to you about something that we all experience, and that is change. Our church is in a major change, a good change, very positive change, an upward change, but we're in a change. And I would wager to bet, if I were a better, that more of you than not in your personal lives are in some kind of a change. And uh, while you're turning to Psalms 46, let me ask, there'll be as little movement as possible during the message. I know some of us, uh, sometimes you got to get up, but I'm going to ask you parents to keep the teenagers nailed to the seat. And if any baby begins to act up, keep in mind that that can be a distraction. Take them out and minister to them and then bring them back in. And you're welcome. And uh, we, we love having all of you and we love you. And turn your cell phone off because I'm going to start answering them and they're not going to know who answered their phone. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. But they go off and I wish you could see what I see, how frantic some women get when they go going through that purse, which is like a suitcase, and they can't find their phone. And some of them have those weird ringers with some weird song. I think Ron has the worst ring. The guy, Ron Cottenham, our resident Elvis, has the worst ring I've ever heard. It's, it's, it's an ambulance alarm. It's an ambulance. And of all things, I don't want to hear when my phone goes off. It's some frantic ambulance siren. But that's Ron. And that's the only thing he can respond to anymore. All right, Psalms 46, 1 through 3, we're talking about change or croak. And I really believe it's true. Either you change or you croak, you petrify, you freeze, you fail to advance. It says in verse 1 of Psalms 46, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with its swelling. Lord, we thank you for your word today and that your word is powerful and it's life and it's spirit. And we pray that you'll speak to us. And Lord, help us to navigate the challenge of change successfully in the spirit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and preach a little bit and tell him, change or croak. All right. We, uh, we are in a change. We've been talking beginning last week about the challenge of change. Change is a fact of life. How many of you know that's true? It's just a fact of life. We're in a world of change, though we serve an unchanging God. God is the only thing I know of that does not change. God does not change, but everything else does. Circumstances change, people change, relationships change. Most of our life is in a state of flux most of the time. We've got to deal with change every day in every way. The one thing that never changes is the reality that change is coming. You can guarantee and mark it down, change is coming. 
It's been said that you never step into the same river twice. Have you ever heard that saying? And it's true. That river changes from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day. And that's because it's always in a state of movement. And that's what life is. As a pastor, I'm going to tell you, I never step into the same church twice. People change. They come, they go. New faces show up, old ones leave. You never know where they went. They just disappear. New ones come. That's because they're in a state of change. Their lives change, so they change. And we all change. And uh, I'm used to it. And I thank God for the reality of change. Because you know why? You're never going to grow without change. Change is the precursor to spiritual growth. The passage we just read, Psalms 46, called the Encouragement Psalm, is all about change. He's describing the overwhelming uh, emotions that can accompany a great change. Listen to the way he describes it. And I think he's just kind of, he's imagining, he's saying, what if? Or it feels like when you're in change. The earth is being removed. It can feel that way. You ever felt like the earth was moving under your feet? And you weren't in a, an earthquake, you were in a self-quake. You were changing. Something in your life was changing. The Amplified Bible says, though the earth should change, God is my refuge. He goes on to describe the feeling that the mountains, it feels like the mountains are being shaken into the midst of the sea and the waters of the sea are roaring and foaming. It's like everything around me, he's saying, is shaking and shifting and changing and he's talking about the most amazing change possible. Mountains slipping into the sea. The familiar landscape changing. Everything altering. He's describing everything normal and familiar being shaken and shifting. He's describing massive change. Tumultuous change. Now thank God most of the change that you and I go through is not that severe. Every once in a while, you'll go through a major experience where it seems like everything that can be shaken is being shaken in your life. But most of the change that we go through is, is, is lighter than that, slighter than that, but it's real. Major areas of our life can change. You may suddenly lose a job. I talk to people who experience that, that all the time. You can lose a job that you've had for years, even decades, and suddenly it changes for some reason or another. And you're left with the unfamiliar. Or tragically, you lose a marriage, which is always a tragedy. God restores from that tragedy, but it's always a tragedy. And you're in that change, and you are knitted to somebody. This is not minor. You can't marginalize the reality of divorce. Divorce shakes everything, it's a ripping and it's a tearing. Two who were one. How do you unscramble eggs? And yet it happens and it's change. And we need God during that change. Or you get a bad doctor's report and suddenly your whole life is thrown up into the, into the sky. The world rocks underneath you. Suddenly everything has changed. Or on the positive side, God may bring a series of changes and God will do that. 
He may bring a series of changes into your life, a new job. I talk to people a lot who get transferred. I talked to somebody just recently, a couple of weeks ago, very rooted in our church, and suddenly they got transferred, and they moved to another state. Quick change. And you got to deal with that in God. Or God may lead you into a different ministry. Some of you have never ministered. You have been in a church, and you have sat there and received in a church, but now suddenly God is knocking on the door of your heart, and he's moving you into ministry. He's telling you, I want you to do something. I want you to serve. I want you to learn what it means to serve. I want you to go and give to others. I have poured so much into you. It's your turn. And suddenly we're in a change and a challenge and the challenge of change. And our faith is being challenged. Some of you that have never ministered, buckle your seatbelts. Because my job is to convince you that you have been called by God. It's not supposed to be a one-man show. Everybody in here is a minister. Every one of you have been called to minister. You have been called to be a witness, to pray, to share, to reach out, to give to others what God has given to you. You're receiving right now. But guess what? You're not receiving just for you. You're being built up in the faith. And my job is in-reach, outreach, and upreach. If you want to know what our church is all about, let me just tell it to you simple. In-reach, outreach, upreach. That's why we're here. In-reach, we are called to build Jesus Christ in you till you come to the fullness of the stature of Christ and you grow into spiritual maturity. In-reach. And then we do outreach. As you grow in Jesus, you will be involved in outreach. And we reach the lost. We're going to preach to this city, and we're going to preach to this world. We're going to come up with ways to reach this world with the gospel that are totally unique. I'm praying about it, and I'm looking for it, and we're going to find it, and you and me together, we're going to do it. Because I'm not just called here, you're called here. And you and me are called together to reach out, in reach, ministering until Jesus is formed in you, outreach as a result of successful inreach. And when you had successful inreach and outreach, it results in upreach. Because we learn to worship God in spirit and in truth. And so you've got a circle going on in this church all the time. And we're going to streamline ourselves for this one thing, inreach, outreach, upreach. When you bear fruit, my heavenly Father is glorified. That's upreach. And we come together in spirit and in truth. And so that's all we're ever doing. That's all that we're about. So can you say with me, inreach, outreach, upreach. If somebody says to you, what's that church all about? We know why we're here. We are not beating the air. We're here for inreach, outreach, and upreach. And that's our call. And that, that requires change. And God has us in a change right now. Why is he moving us over to I-35, to that big building? So that we can increase our in-reach and our outreach and our upreach. And so some of you may hear the Lord tapping on the door of your heart. I want you to be a care leader. I want you to be an assistant care leader. I want you to open up your home. I want you to involve yourself in feeding the poor. I want you to do something to get out there and reach and touch people because there is an aspect of your faith that will never develop until you're involved in outreach. And if you think that you won't croak if you don't change, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. 
who while being led out of Sodom and Gomorrah by the mercies of God before the fire fell on those cities, she was being led out into a brand new future. The angel had her by the hand and being led out and they were taking Lot's family to a brand new vista and horizon and God said the only thing you can't do is don't you look back. Don't hold on to the past. Don't be petrified. Don't be stuck in what I've done. I'm doing a new thing. He said, the only thing you can't do is don't look back. I want you looking forward. That is a metaphor. That is a picture for you and me. That is a physical sketch of a spiritual truth that God's leading us to a new place. And you can't get there doing this. Can't get there doing this. You leave today and drive by your rearview mirror. We'll see you down the road. If you make it down the road, you won't go very far because the rearview mirror was not made for driving. It was made for occasional glances. But mainly we look forward. But she couldn't do that. And as she was leaving the city, the angel holding her hand, whisking them away, pointing them to a new direction, she turned around and she looked back. And she froze, became a pillar of salt. That is a picture. God is giving us a picture. What's he saying? He's saying if you can't embrace change, if you're not a person who can change, there is an aspect of your life that will petrify, that will freeze, that will be stuck, and I won't be able to move you forward. We've got to be able to flex and flow and change. So I'm calling this today how to flow without drowning. Because some people drown in change. We got to learn how to go with the flow without drowning. And we remember God's people who Paul said, remember, they're there for our examples. They were delivered from Egypt because of their own cries for deliverance. Think about this. Crying out to God all the time for deliverance. Please set us free. We're in bondage. We're in slavery. We hate this place. We're in misery. Yet when God delivered them, they kicked and they hated the changes that God brought into their life as a result of their deliverance. There were requirements for deliverance, and the requirements were change, and they didn't like the change. I'm going to tell you, I don't like change. I don't like change. I like the same old, same old. I like going down the same road. I like going to the same house. Some of you, you like sitting in the same chair. We're going to put your name on these chairs. We're going to start selling chairs. We're going to say, you want a chair? You buy a chair, and we'll put your name on it, and if you... I don't know, pay an extra 500, we'll put it right in the same place. Because <laughs> some of you already got dibs on your chair. I don't have to wonder if you're here. I just look where you always sit. <laughs> and you are creatures of habit. Boy, I'm telling you, I can tell the ones who are really here because you're always in the same chair. So I just look for the chair, hey. And when I look over there and it's empty, I know you're not somewhere else in here. You're not here because your chair's not occupied. And don't tell me it's not true. Don't polish that halo too bright now. And if somebody gets in before you, a dear brother or sister, and they happen to grab your chair before you get here, brother, we got friction in the house of God. (laughs) We don't like change. I don't like change, but God brings change. And the scripture records that they tempted the Lord in the wilderness because they did not, they did not flex with the flow. They did not allow change. 
It says they tried his patience. They became a trial to him. And they were killed by serpents. Now again, when you read that, all that happened in the Old Testament is types and shadows and pictures and physical sketches of spiritual truth. There's always a New Testament spiritual parallel to what happened to them physically in the Old Testament. They teach us that when God is about to really bless us, it begins with change. Do you remember when you got saved? Anybody in here, when you got saved, some things changed? Do you remember how big the change was when you got saved? And if you're in here today and you're going to tell me you're saved, but it never changed your life, I'm going to tell you, you're not saved. Well, I believe in God. Well, cool. So do the devils. But if you tell me you got saved and there's been no change in your life, I question the salvation because Jesus brings massive change. People run, run across you and they say, you're not the person I used to know. There's something different about you. You can't get near God without change. God is going to change you and me. He's in the changing business. He is going, we are under construction. We ought to be different now than we were a year ago. We ought to have more fruit in our life. I'm talking about real Christianity, not churchianity. Churchianity, you can be God's frozen chosen. You can be petrified. You can sit there year after year and never change, and nobody knows the difference because they're petrified too. But if you're really walking with God, it's going to bring change. Can I have an amen in here today? It may be incremental, but change is going to come. And we're going to have to learn to flow with the change that God brings. And we're going to have to do it without drowning, without being offended, without getting put out, without leaning on what we want instead of what God is bringing. Somebody wisely wrote, and I love this statement. They said, don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. And if you can't fight and you can't run, flow. I like that. Because when change comes, what do we do? We fight it or we try to run from it. But you know what? God will block you in where you can't fight and you can't run. And then when you can't fight and you can't run, what do you do? You flow. You learn to change. If there were an 11th commandment, it would be, thou shalt not sweat it. <laughs> I was doing a thing on the commandments last night. I, 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 I did something a little different to put on our refrigerator because I don't think you ought to criticize the schools for not having it up there if you don't have it on your refrigerator. You ought to have the Ten Commandments on your refrigerator. So that's Old Testament. Jesus said, I came to fulfill that law. So put it up there. It might change you. It might change your kids. Let them see it. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Put it up there. Let them see it. But I did it in crazy fonts and great big uh, 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 letters and, and different letters, different fonts and different colors. And I put it up in a way that you can't miss it. Call it God's Ten Commandments. And right when I was finishing, I thought I really ought to put 11 and say, oh, and by the way, thou shalt not sweat it. But God wouldn't let me. <laughs> That's my commandment. But can you say with me, thou shalt not sweat it? So how do you embrace change when change comes? Change has come to you. How do you embrace it? How do you flow with it? 
How do you go with it? How do you extract from it everything that you can? How do you let change work for your good instead of letting it derail you? It begins with God. It begins with God. David says three things about God and us in a time of change in Psalms 46, 1 through 3. Here's what he says. God's our refuge. He's our strength. And he's there. He's our refuge. He's our strength. And he's there. Now I want to talk to you about those three. Can you say with me, God is my refuge. Now let me tell you a fact about people. This is just something I've observed in almost a quarter of a century of pastoring people. Some people run from God when their predictable life is upset with change. When change comes, some people run from God. And they, they grow cool to God. And yet others have learned that God is a great comfort. And he's a place of peace in the turbulent waters of change. I've seen that the same sun that melts butter hardens clay. Some people in the presence of change become hardened to God, and they, they run from Him, they dodge Him, they duck from Him. But other people, when change comes and difficulties and trials come, they melt in the presence of God, they run to God. I want us to know today there's only one place to go when life is challenging you, don't run from God. Don't seek solace somewhere else. But run to God. Because that's what a refuge is. A refuge is something you run to in a time of danger. You run to a refuge. You don't run from it because a refuge is a shelter. Kathy and I were in a hailstorm one day. And she would say a hellstorm. Sometimes she says it's helling out. And I said... Helling? <laughs> to her, hail is, is hell. <laughs> so in our house, it's a hell storm. <laughs> I mean, I just, and I'm working with her on that, but she's never going to change, and neither am I. So, so we were in a hail storm. And we were, actually, we were driving down the highway, and we heard that it was coming, and the, eye, the sky was that dark, sick, green-looking, and you could tell that it was coming. We were, we were pedaled to the metal trying to get home, but we didn't make it. All of a sudden, it began to fall. We just happened to be near a cement bridge, and we pulled over right there, got our place of safety. Cars piled in behind us, and we felt so bad for the people that had to keep right on going under the cement and out into that hailstorm. Some of them pulled over under trees and other kinds of shelter that weren't near as good. And we noticed, of course, that those that got under the trees did not have full protection. And the hail broke through the leaves and broke through the branches and beat down on their cars and greatly damaged them. We could just hear State Farm's number being called millions of times the next day. But it spoke to me when I saw that because you see, a lot of us, when change comes and trials come, we head for a tree. We go for something lesser than God. We look for worldly philosophies, or we try to find our strength and solace and comfort in something fleshly, and, and we try to protect ourselves and use our own strength. And it's just like those trees. That doesn't protect you from the hail. God is our refuge 
And he's our strength in the time of trouble, in the time of change. God is the one we run to. I tell people, what are you going through? Well, I'm going through some trials. Then run to God. Wrap yourself around God. Lean on God. Seek the face of God. God is our refuge, and he's our strength. Kathy and I sat under that bridge. Not one thing touched us. And my message to you today is straight from the Word of God. These are not my thoughts. This is what the Bible says. And I want you to hear this because the Bible promises if God is our refuge, He will be like a cement bridge. Not one hailstorm will touch you. Now, I'm going to say that again. And you say, well, Pastor, I have felt the hail hit me. But I'm going to tell you what. You've heard about the Teflon Don? Let me talk to you about, to you about Teflon Saints. The Teflon Don, the leader of the mafia, they said nothing can touch him. He's always dodging the law. Nothing ever sticks. But he ended up in prison. But let me tell you about you. If God is your refuge, you'll be the Teflon saint. Let the hail fall. The floods will come. The winds will blow. The fire will burn. But it will not touch you. And I'm going to tell you, from the Word of God, this is true. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered from the burning, fiery oven, you remember that? The three Hebrew children who knew Daniel, they had been taken from Jerusalem. They were living in Babylon in captivity. And one day, Nebuchadnezzar, on a massive ego trip, had a huge statue built of himself, and he said, when the trumpet blows, I want everybody to bow down to this statue and worship the idol of me. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were given a huge choice. What do we do? Do we bow down to an idol, bow down to a false image, and deny our God? Or do we go into the burning, fiery oven, promised, guaranteed for those who will not bow down? And they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow down to your image. Either God is with us or he's not. But even if he's not, we will not worship your image. And the trumpet blew, and they did not bow, bend, back down, or break. They stood tall for God in a heathen, pagan culture. They came and they got them. Nebuchadnezzar is so furious. He said, turn up the oven seven times hotter than normal. It began to roar like a mighty rushing wind. It roared. So hot was this oven, those who threw them in were incinerated on the spot by the heat of this oven. And they went down. Everybody said, see ya. They thought they were vapor before they even hit the bottom. But as the fire began to subside hours later, Nebuchadnezzar peaked down. And when he peeked down, he said, did we not throw three down there? And they said, yes, O king, three. And he said, then how is it I see four? And the fourth one looks like the son of God. And they looked down there. Now watch this. They looked down there and they saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego dancing with a fourth man jumping up and down, having the time of their life. The cords that had tied their hands were burned off of them. And the Bible records this. When they were brought out, while everybody looked at them so wide-eyed and shocked and stunned, they could not speak. It says not a hair of their heads was singed. Their coats were unscorched, and they didn't even smell like smoke. I'm telling you, not one hailstone will stick. Not one flame will burn. You'll come out from the change and from the trials with not even the smell of smoke on you. 
Folks, I'm telling you, I hope you came to listen because I came to preach today about the reality of my faith. It may take a little bit of time. It may take some, you'll cry some tears. I'm not saying you won't hurt. I'm not saying you won't go through some trouble. I'm not saying you won't have a broken heart. I'm not saying that you will not experience pain. But what I am telling you is there is one fighting for you and you will hold your peace. He will bring you out on the other side. And when he brings you out on the other side, people say, wait a minute, you just went through hell. How is there a skip in your step and a gleam in your eye and a smile on your face? How are you still in church? How are you still praising God? How are you still in prayer? You ought to be dead by now. And you say, well, I've got a little secret. It's called the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Isn't this what we need to be hearing instead of three points and a poem, instead of sickly sermons to sickly Christians? Don't we need to be hearing about what your faith in God can really do? Don't we need to be hearing the promises instead of just sitting on the premises? What'd you do in church today? We sat on the premises. If they ask you, I want you to say, we heard about the promises. I'm here. <laughs> Listen to what the Bible says. The child of God may pass through very difficult and hurtful experiences. Oh, yeah, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him from them all. But if you seek the Lord and you respond to his grace, don't walk away. Don't get bitter. Don't give up on God. If you stay in there, keep seeking him. Hang on. Read your Bible. Pray. Don't walk away. Isaiah wrote, when you go through deep waters and great troubles, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And he says, when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Jehovah Rophi, that we hear about all the time, the Lord who heals. You know what it really means? The Lord who heals from life's bitter experiences. That's what Jehovah Rophi means. Jehovah Rophi was revealed at the bitter waters of Marah while the children of Israel needed water and the water was bitter. And Moses went and he got a stick from a tree and he came and he touched that bitter water with that stick and it became sweet water. And God was pointing down the road to the cross, the ultimate piece of wood, and when that is put into the bitterness of your soul, it turns bitter waters sweet. There's healing in Jehovah Rophi for the inside of you, your broken heart, your shattered life, your disillusionment, your discouragement, your hurt. The cross placed in that bitterness turns bitter waters sweet. Good preaching, I'm telling you. We need to hear this. Not only is he our refuge, he's our strength. The Bible says God is our refuge and strength in times of change. He's our strength. Now I want you to listen to this powerful psalm. This psalm rocks. Listen to this. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, 
who want above all else to follow your steps. Now notice he's talking to somebody who's not just a once a month churchgoer, who's not walking with God, not seeking him, a little bit religious. Uh Uh-uh. He's talking about somebody who wants above all else to follow his steps. When they walk through the valley of weeping, look at what he says. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become. Can everybody say with me, become? The valley of weeping will become a place of springs where pools of blessing and refreshing collect after rains. They will grow constantly in strength. That's the promise when the Lord is your refuge. You will grow constantly in strength. Kathy and I lived for seven years in East Texas. We had four acres of land, and every year in the springtime, it would just pour cats and dogs. I mean, just torrential rains. And the creek that we had in our backyard would rise and become a river. And after a couple of days, it would subside. And all over our land, you would see little pools of water that didn't used to be there. Little pools of water. And you'd see the birds fly down and hop up to these pools of water and jump in and and do what they do, ruffle their feathers and do their little bird jig. And and you could tell that's the way they rejoice. And they just fluff their feathers and they would rejoice in this water. Now, what was a storm becomes a pool of blessing. And here's what he's telling us. When God is your refuge, he's not saying you won't cry. Weeping endures for a night. But there is a time limit on it. God's got his hand on the dial. Because joy comes in the morning. Now, the lost man can't say that. Because to somebody lost without God and without hope in the world, weeping endures for night after night after night and month and year and lifetime, and you die in your sin. There is not this promise for the lost, but this promise is for the found. Weeping may endure for a night. Yeah, you'll cry. Yeah, you'll hurt. Yeah, you'll feel it. You're human. You've got skin on you. But when God's your refuge, joy comes in the morning. And what was once a storm, what was once a storm, thundering and lightning and fearful displays, the sun rises and it leaves pools of water. And what was tears are now pools of refreshing for the person who has made God their strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. That word wait means wrap yourself around. If I had a piece of string and a steel cable and I wrap that string around that steel cable, that string is as strong as the cable. Jesus is a steel cable. And when your faith wraps around him in the time of change and difficulty, you're as strong as he is. That's why you go from strength to strength and victory to victory and faith to faith because you're not like somebody lost. You've got a Savior in the inside of you, and he's going to pull you through, stand you up, dust you off, give you a brand new future, and carry you forward into a better day. He is. I know he is. This is God. When God is your strength, you can go through any change. Now, the last thing he says is, God is present. When I was praying last night, I was in my bedroom, and I had the door shut, and I was kneeling at my bed. 
And I just sensed that presence of God. And I found myself saying this, Lord, if you're not going with us, don't send me. I've got to have your presence. I covet the presence of God. And right then I remembered Moses prayed the same thing. Moses prayed the same thing. And I realized that God has always promised his presence. The Living Bible says that God is a tested help in times of trouble. Literally in the Hebrew, an indwelling helper. Another name for God in the Bible is Jehovah Shammah, not just Rofi, but Shammah. And it means the Lord is there. He's a present God. He's there. He's not out creating other worlds. He's not off helping the Billy Grahams of this world to the exclusion of you. He's there. The Lord is your Jehovah Shammah. He is there. He's here. He was there yesterday. He's already in your tomorrow. You're surrounded. He's in you. He's above you. He's below you. He's beside you. He's everywhere. His presence is covenanted to be with you. He told Moses, behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and bring you to the place that I have prepared. I'm not going to leave you, Moses. My angel is going with you. And again, God said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses prayed what I prayed last night. He said, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't carry us up from here because I'm not going to go without you. Isaiah testified of God's people saying, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the anger, or I'm sorry, the angel of his presence saved them. The angel of his presence saved them. I read a story about a little boy. He was frightened one night by a very loud thunderstorm. He called to his father in the next room, and he said, Daddy, I'm scared. Father called back from the next room, Son, don't be scared. God is with you. The boy paused for a moment and then said, Yeah, but I want someone with skin on them right now. (laughs) I understand that. We want somebody there. And this is exactly what God did. One day he sent someone with skin on them. Really? Yeah. Isaiah predicted the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And so what is Jesus? He's God there. And wherever you happen to be, that's there. And wherever you go, that's there. And where is God? He's there. Now, if he's my refuge, and if he's my strength, and if he's my present help, I can go through any change. I can navigate any challenge, and I can go through it and come out on the other side with victory. Now, today, our church is in a change, and you know what? He's our refuge we run to. He's our strength we lean on, and he's our presence we draw from. 
If I lean on those three things, I can go through anything, I can do anything, I can survive anything. I don't know where you are today, but is he your refuge? Is he your strength? Is he your very present help? Well, if you don't know it, he is. Lean on him. Can you stand with me today? Uh, a, a man leaving the first service said to me, he said, man, I was in, well, he didn't say man, that's me. He said, Pastor, I was in Peru the last couple of weeks, and I watched you in Peru on the internet. And I said, what'd you see? And he said, I saw fruit punch. And he said, I, he said, I was shouting in my hotel room in Peru. That's the miracle of modern technology. He said, that's one of the best I've ever heard. I said, well, you were in Peru. Anything sounds good over there. I mean, you're Peru. <laughs> but you know what? God's good. And aren't you glad he's your strength and your refuge? Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's bow for prayer. Father, we just thank you that you are our refuge, our strength, and you are there. And we thank you, Lord, that you did send someone with skin on them. Jesus became a man. Walked among us, felt our pain, died for our sins, and rose from the dead. Thank you, Lord, that you saw the cry and the need of our heart and wrapped yourself in skin and visited this planet. Now, Lord, we want to glorify you for it, to bless your name. Let's just sing this song, and I want you to take a minute and say, where do I need to make him my refuge? Where my strength? And where my present help? And let's just pray about it as we sing. Thank you, Lord. Hey.